Hi and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Enigma. You know, we're starting to receive messages from listeners all over the world, and that is all the motivation I need. Only yesterday, we got a wonderful message from someone who had listened to last week's episode and has already used some of the learning, some of the wisdom from that episode in a client meeting. And who knew we'd now be moving hastily towards our 100th episode? Listen, the world continues to be utterly chaotic, so it's important for all leaders to understand how they can shape the future and strive for a world better led. You do not want to miss this episode. Come back to me straight after this break, and I'll be with the wonderful Dustin Seal, who's the regional managing partner, EMEA, of Hydric Consulting, which is part of Hydric and Struggles. Come back to me just after this. During constant change, your leadership has never been more important to create a better and more inclusive world. You're listening to The Leadership Enigma, a podcast for the insatiably curious to explore the power of human-centered leadership to create real momentum for positive and sustainable change. Whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or corporate executive, each week we speak to global experts, academics, rising stars, ambitious upstarts, and disruptors as we discover that success leaves clues. Now, here's your host, Adam Pacifico. Well, there we go. It's a warm welcome, Dustin. Thank you for taking the time to be a guest on The Leadership Enigma. How are you? Uh, Doing very well. Thank you for the invite. Absolute pleasure. Now, I I really believe the world has gone mildly bonkers and has done for a while. So we've been looking forward to having you on the show. And obviously, I told everyone what you're doing at the moment. Just tell us a little bit about the role and focus that you have uh, as the regional managing partner of Hydric Consulting, part of Hydric and Struggles. Sure. Hydric Consulting, we have three focus areas that are very important to us. One is future-ready leadership. So we'll talk about that, what leaders need to have or be to navigate a, a really a difficult world. Uh-huh. Future-ready culture and organization, which is how do you optimize a culture and organization for the world we're stepping into? And the third is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so I joined about two years ago to help the business grow, to serve leaders in one specific capacity. And that is our purpose, which is to enable a world better led. Uh, And that's what drew me in because about two years ago, um, I became very clear that I wanted to see different leadership in the world. I was turning 50 uh, and I looked at some of the, the leadership I was seeing, some of the activity I was seeing in the world. And I thought, I've been in leadership for 25 years and I'm complicit in the leadership we have today and the leadership in countries, the leadership in organizations uh, is not the leadership I wanted my children to step into when they step into the work world and into the wider world. So came back because my purpose, the purpose of the organization are completely aligned. Um, We are uh, working right across EMEA, uh, strong across all of Europe. Middle East and Africa, and bringing that our work and our message around a world better led uh, to all those geographies. Now, Dustin, that's an incredibly strong purpose. And when we're going to talk a little bit about purpose, and we're going to talk about culture and future ready leaders, there's so much that I want to talk to you about in this particular episode. Uh, and so that provides you personally huge momentum. Uh, and you talked about it, you feel it's now incumbent on you. And this is why I said at the start, it's incumbent on every leader to actually be proactive in shaping the future. So one of the first things I want to talk to you is about culture. 
we hear that word used we know it's incredibly important but for listeners how would you just describe culture and its level of importance to leaders in in small medium and large organizations let's start there yeah but so you know i've been in culture for about 27 years <laughs> yeah um, and when i started uh i don't know how many um the C-suites I was sort of laughed out of when we brought up the word culture. Uh, it, it, it wasn't real to people. And then it sort of migrated to, yes, it's real, but does it impact results? And those were the conversations for a lot of my career. Today, I never have that conversation. Every leader we talk to knows culture is critical and knows it impacts results. It's the understanding of what that is. Right. Um, so there's a spectrum. I was listening to one leader the other day who described culture as, well, culture is everything. And to some degree, yes, but if culture is everything, you can do nothing about it because <laughs> you can't change everything. So that's a sort of a powerless position. And then there, you know, I remember the, after the crisis uh, in 2007, eight, uh, there was a lot of talk about culture, but as you listened closely, they were actually just talking about remuneration, right? Which again, feeds into culture, but it's not culture itself. So culture in any, any group of people is going to, are going to create a culture. You put more than two of us together and over time, we're going to create a set of unspoken rules, how we're going to work with one another. Uh, families have them. Uh, I remember a while back, I visited uh, uh, some friends. They live, they live in a different County. And as they did things, I was thinking, well, that, that's strange. Well, they were probably looking at how my little family worked and thought, that's strange. But families set a set of rules and relationships and ways of working, usually unconsciously. Right. And they're different. So teams and organizations have the same thing. We have an innate need to know how does this group work? Because we're, we're a social animal. And we're wired to look at how does this group work and to sync with how this group works. So culture is bound in usually some invisible beliefs that you can see through behaviors. There's all the, the usual sayings, which is culture uh, is the way we do things around here, or it's what people do when the boss isn't around. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different sayings, but basically it's a, it's a number of usually unspoken rules that people are unaware they're following, but it helps a group of people, either helps or hurts a group of people in terms of what they're trying to do. Now, I love it. I when don't know if that helps you, but it, that's... It does. And I love it when you, you say that actually all you've got to do is really just add two human beings together and you will get some form of culture. And as people are listening to this and maybe they've got businesses which are too strong or 22 strong or 22,000 strong, there are going to be cultures and there are going to be subcultures. Because you've worked in culture for so long, Dusty, let me ask you this question. What do you think caused, or was it a multiple things that caused a tipping point for culture to start to be recognized as an important aspect of leadership? Where and how did you see that change? Uh, the, the biggest, to put it into the, the, the you know, where yeah. you'd seen it in newspapers and articles, magazines, TV, was the banking crisis. Right. Uh, it put culture squarely in the middle of the map. The understanding of what that was was mixed, but it, it became part of the standard leadership vocabulary. So okay. it's relatively new that it's 
just part and parcel of what leaders are talking about. Did that change the work that you started to do then? So the work you were doing pre the financial crisis and then post the, was it subtle or was it seismic in relation to the, your focus? I would put it more subtle. Okay. Uh, so the difference would be pre crisis or a little further before that. Um, it was more, there was a lot more convincing that culture mattered, right? That culture was driving the outcomes that you were seeing or, uh, you know, some of the crisis that was being faced by banks, that there was a cultural element to that. That was a convincing job. Uh, post 2007, 2008, that convincing job stopped. Right. And it was more, and I think a much better conversation, which is, what do you do about it? How do you change it? How do you move it to where you want so that you can create the healthiest culture, one that's optimized for your strategy? So that subtle shift but the you know culture itself didn't change just our awareness of culture and its impact changed gotcha and so i have to ask the question as actually today marks the day that in the united kingdom uh, all of the covid regulations have now dropped away but we have had an extraordinary global and very personal experience over the last 22 and 24 months and i've spoken to so many guests dustin who have actually been really candid and very courageous in some of the things that they've spoken about, born from the last 22 and 24 months. What has COVID also done, do you feel, to culture and people's awareness or people's appreciation of just how important it is? Yeah, there's a, there, uh, actually, there's more than you could count in terms of the, the changes and the impact of this, this two-year period. Right. Um, the first I would start with, I'll start with myself. I've been a leader all my life, different ways, shapes, or forms. Uh, that doesn't mean I was a good leader all my life. doesn't necessarily mean I'm a great leader now, but um, I'm at least moving in uh, hopefully the right direction. Um, what happened within the crisis for a lot of leaders I've been talking to is they've realized that, uh, first of all, the culture, the well-being, the sense of belonging in their organization starts with them. So we have a we have a, a a a term shadow of the leader. Yes, and the top team, the senior leader, they shape the the culture of the organization by how they are, how they respond. And the biggest change within that shadow has been diving into what was not really necessarily part of most people's best toolkit, which is empathy, understanding and connecting as human beings, authenticity. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, that was the currency. That's how leaders led people through the, the pandemic. They were using new muscles. And most of them said they really like it. it. It's something they hadn't done before. The trick for, I think, all leaders, or the important thing for all leaders, is that that's not lost post-pandemic. Right. Because as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, disruption... Uh, you called it chaos, uh, yeah. is not going to leave us. No. And if you're shaping the well-being of your organization, first you need to shape the well-being in yourself and connect with people and connect your team in ways that shapes a culture that actually gives you not just advantage, but sustainability over time. You know, Dustin, I've, I've heard this phrase, which I've used before in some episodes, because it really resonates with me. And it's not my phrase, but what I've I'm borrowing it with pride. 
that when you press the pause button on a computer, it stops. But when you press the pause button on a human being, that's when we start to think. And so is there a combination of that actually we've all had the pause button pressed on us and we've all now really started to think and perhaps think inwardly and perhaps that was a good thing and that there's also been a rise in what I would describe and I know you're passionate about this too human-centered leadership so leaders now not really relying on their great technical skills that may have seen them do well over many decades because they're the best in class but those innate human-centered leadership capabilities that you've just alluded to empathy and vulnerability and connection and self-awareness and curiosity have you seen that a much more of an emphasis on those and people call them soft skills and that drives me crazy because i think they're some of the hardest skills but what what are your thoughts and observations in relation to the rise of those capabilities within people now to be the modern day leader in a post-pandemic environment yeah um so there the I, I think a number of leaders were already on that path before. If you look at when Satya Nadella took over Microsoft, mm-hmm. uh, one of his mantras was extreme empathy to understand those around him, to unlock the possibilities in those people around him. And if you look at what happened with Microsoft in terms of performance, uh, share price, reputation, yeah, indeed, uh, his leadership and leading in a way that is human-centered, people-centered, uh, has delivered outsized results. It's also delivered a better organization, a better place to work, I'm sure. Um, so it did start before. Uh, I, was, I was with a group of leaders, and I, maybe I was being a little bit unfair, but my take was, if you haven't changed in these two years, you've been asleep. <laughs> yeah. um, this is, a, you, are in a, you are the mouse in the laboratory. Uh, you're in the middle of one of the biggest disruptions that there's ever been. And if you haven't reflected on yourself and how do I bring more, uh, more and different out of me and the people around me, how, how do I take them forward? Uh, then you're not reflecting enough. The, the, you're absolutely right. When you press the pause button, I'm not sure it was a pause button. If you look at uh, people's zoom or, or teams calendars, it was true. It was a pause button in terms of the normal. Yeah. And there has been what a a colleague of mine, Ed Manfrey, calls the great reflection. Right. So rather than the great resignation or the great reshuffle, he's described it as the great reflection. I like that. And for leaders who have uh, connected with their people and their organization in that human-centered, that authentic, empathetic way, they're seeing less attrition. And that's because during the reflection, people were saying, you know what? I love this place. I feel like I belong. I feel cared for. Now, leaders that have done less of that are on the wrong side of that great reflection. And the challenge for for them is that as people start to leave their organizations, and we know companies with 25, 35, 40% attrition at the moment. Yeah. Catastrophic, potentially. Yeah. You're too late. You're, you're arriving at when you're, when you're, when somebody in your organization comes and sits down with you and says, I'm leaving. Yep. You're on the end of a two year to 18 month reflection. And compensation, I'll pay you more. I'll give you a better title. On the end of a two two year reflection is not enough. Yeah, it's not going to cut it, is it? So I think the 
have we all had to change? Yes. Those who have changed more and realized I, I shared the other day that um, one of the big insights for me is I've always led people. And I thought about leading people and the organization and the pandemic opened up for me that yes, I lead people and organization, but equally I lead persons, individual people. Yeah. Um, and the pandemic was uh, opened that up as an opportunity to see what was happening before the pandemic. We were always leading persons, but the p- pandemic put it right in front of our eyes that as somebody was in a lockdown, there was not one, one experience of lockdown. Some were alone. Some had aging parents they couldn't get to. Some had little kids that were crawl- crawling all over the house. Um, you name it, people had their own lockdown experience is personal and the leaders that were able to lean in and understand the experience of the person and support them through that are the ones that are keeping talent right now you know dustin this is so important i've had so many amazing guests one guest talked about the human being the human doing and the human becoming and and that had been a magnified focus for him during the pandemic and another guest said exactly that i'm leading persons i've got to try and find out really what's going on with each and every person I lead. So their leadership now, they describe it as energy expensive, a lot of time needed to be found in order to really engage, connect and understand each and every person that he or she is leading. So there is a lot of energy that's got to be expended. And if you talk about the great reflection, the great attrition, the great retention, it sounds like there's a new zeitgeist in the air for leadership. But that drives us back to the very importance of culture. And so I'm hoping anyone who's listening to us, if they are, you know, that entrepreneurial spirited duo just starting a business or whether they're sat in a senior position in a larger organization, tell us a little bit about the requirements of of culture now. And I know you've done some work in relation to meaning, flexibility, and focus. So tell our listeners a little bit about what they should be really focusing on themselves to make sure their culture is a magnet for talent and somewhere that people can thrive. Okay. Um, Let me go back to your comment around a human being doing or becoming. Yeah. The third one becoming Uh, one of the, one of the uh, tenets of our universe is evolution. Our, our universe is evolving. Uh, Species are evolving. Uh, Evolution is at the center of, of, of how things happen and organizations in order to be, to remain competitive, to remain relevant, need to evolve. Okay. And leaders, because organizations are shadows of the leaders, they have to be evolving in front of their organization. They have to be out in front and, and changing and growing. So I think it's capturing the fact that, um, that one of the, one of the challenges for for most is that especially coming out of the pandemic is they're hoping for some sort of normal that they know gives us comfort and I, and I don't think it's coming i think post pandemic is further evolution and further change i agree when we calcify at any point and stop evolving that's that's the real danger so that when I when I talk to organizations around culture for years, I talked about culture transformation. Right. Let's transform your culture from culture A to culture B. That's not how I'm seeing it today. 
And the way I see culture today is let's move your organizational culture to a place where it's transformative, where it's able to, you're able to move to a new place, but it's also has the tenants within it that enable it to evolve to the next step and the next step as the world changes around you. So the idea of uh, unfreezing a culture and then refreezing it in a good place, that's done. Yeah been done for a long time, but I think this pandemic's uh, highlighted that and creating a culture that's able to evolve effectively as the world around it changes that we have spent, if we weren't evolving during this, uh, this pandemic, then we would be in big trouble as well as an organization. So we've spent a lot of time reflecting on what is it uh, in organizational culture that will matter most going forward. Right. Uh, And I'll go through a few of those. Okay. Uh, one, one of those is when we look at culture and leadership, we do tie the two together because they are inextricably linked. Oh, no, I agree. Uh, and we track uh, enablers and, and derailers for leaders uh, over time. We're, okay. we're always tracking what, what are the patterns we're seeing in the world. Now, that's usually there's a mix of 10 top derailers. That's usually a very mixed bag. Today, it's not. So eight out of the top 10 all have to do with prioritization to some degree. Focus and prioritization. As as a derailer. Yeah, a derailer. If you're not able to focus or prioritize, you will derail yourself and your organization. Okay. Um, and I have a lot of empathy for the for those that are that are going through the the this this crisis. Because it looks like you have to fix everything. You have to change everything to survive through it. There's no way you can change everything. And so we're walking through, I think I shared the other day that um, we have a client that has 136 key priorities. Wow. If you go through them, not one of them is a bad idea. There's no way you can do all. There's no way you can put the same energy into all of them. And the organization is frantic, stretched, and exhausted. Well, it feels overwhelming, doesn't it, when you say 136? Yeah, and they're all 136 good things. So one of the one of the keys to leadership and culture is to to take the time to step back and reflect, and and get clear on what are the four to six most important uh, priorities for this organization, okay. and what are we going to say no to? What are we going to stop? Uh, maybe come back to, or what are we going to stop and never come back to? If you want to unlock energy and you, you navigate a disrupted world, one of the elements within leadership and culture is going to be the ability to focus and narrow down on the few. The second is, well, there are two, two sides of a, a similar coin. Yep. And they're the reason, they're the two key reasons people are leaving organizations uh, or staying. So the the first is purpose. Now, every organization that I know of now has a purpose statement. So that's not what I'm talking about. You know, you walk into the lobby and it says. Yeah. Words on a wall. Great words on a wall. Yeah. Um, But purpose that is owned by the leadership, owned by the people in the organization, and they can make sense of it in their daily life. And it matters to them. Now, people are not leaving organizations with their own personal purpose is connected to the organizational purpose. I mentioned our purpose yeah. to enable a world better led. 
that week, every morning when I wake up, that is worthwhile. That's connected to who I am, what I want to do. Uh, so if everyone in the organization is connected at that level, it gives you the energy, the fuel to traverse just about anything. Mm-hmm. If it's lacking, people are leaving. They're, they're seeking purpose. That's a, that's a part of the great reflection yeah. is people start to think about purpose and what they care about and what they want to do. It's giving people meaning, isn't it, Dustin? It is. Okay. Uh, and then the second, second, the flip side of that coin is belonging. Okay. Tell me about uh, that. And that is the number one uh, reported reason people are leaving organizations is they don't feel a strong sense of belonging that this is my home. This is the place I, you know, when I go into this business, it's mine. These are my, I don't want to admit, not necessarily friends, but they're my friends, my, my com- corporate family. So when people have that sense of belonging, they very rarely leave. We have a deep-seated need to belong. It goes all the way back to when we were hunter-gatherers. And when you belonged, you survived. And when you didn't, you didn't. Part of uh, our DNA. Yeah. So we're, we're, we need that. And if I don't feel as a, as a, if I feel like an employee, I'll probably go find a different job. If I feel this is the place I want to, that where I belong and I'm part of a purpose, I probably won't leave. Then the last one, uh, we were trying to understand what, what are the cultural elements that are enabling organizations to outperform during disruption and head and shoulders above the rest was collaboration and collaboration across organizational lines. So all organizations have good teams within them. Those organizations were able to get good teams to collaborate well with good teams across divisions, across functions are outperforming. So if I, if I were a leader right now, I'd be, I would, first of all, I would cut a lot of time out of my, my, my zoom or, or teams schedule yep. and get the right amount of time on what are those priorities? I'd be looking at our, uh, at the purpose and asking, what does that mean to me for me? And how do I engage everyone in this organization? So it means something to them. They have meaning. I would be doubling down on belonging and then I would be very, very uh, forensic about where we're getting great collaboration across our organization and where are the breakdowns and working with the organization to fix that. Because agility, we, need, we now need, you mentioned a company of 22 or 22,000. Yep. I'll go to the 22,000. We need the 22,000 to be able to pivot. Now, without high, high levels of collaboration, you can get parts of the organization to pivot, but not the whole. Now, Dustin, there is so much rich content. Uh, I've been feverishly writing as you were talking. So let me just do a little bit of a summary because I, I think we're going to probably find out, hopefully, listeners are listening to this thinking, hang on, I need to grab a pen and a piece of paper. They can always listen to this again. So really, leaders have, have got to prioritize. They've got mm-hmm. to focus. Really double down on purpose. And, and that, as you said, purpose to me, for me. We talked about belonging, and I'm going to come back to that, and also collaboration. I think I've got those themes right, have I? In just in, in summary, you have uh, as headlines. That's my yep. past my first command task. Let me come on to belonging because I want to ask another question because I I know we there are clients at the moment who are supersized in that they have tens of thousands of em- employees. Does that make it more difficult for them to try and get that sense of belonging? 
into so many people when they are by their very nature maybe a traditional corporate global dispersed family how do you get that belonging when you're you're supersized yeah that is a really good question i'd say on the whole yes it is more difficult right uh you're talking about because you're going to be working through different country and regional cultures you're working with people that may never meet one another don't know one another exist uh and when i've worked with ceos uh over the years there are probably two questions on the people side they're asking themselves okay the first is how do i get my top team to live and breathe and lead our purpose our direction and do it together and that's a tough job, whether you have 20,000 or 20 people. And that's the reason it's tough is usually the top team. you got some pretty strong personalities in there. <laughs> yeah, normally. Uh, with, with their own, own agendas and where do they want to go, et cetera. And so they want to get that top team. And that is, that is mission critical, get the top team aligned. But the second question they're often asking is, and I'm, this will sound probably bad, how do I get employee number... 79,236 who I may never get to meet. How do I ensure that they, when they're meeting with the customer or meeting with their colleagues, their behavior, their decisions are things that I would be proud of. Gotcha. And so the, you know, we do work with a lot of organizations. Uh, One one client was, I think we engaged with 1.4 million people. Wow. In the client. Now we don't, we didn't do that. We enabled the client to engage with 1.4 million people, but right down to the front line, helping people, not, not distributing a, a PowerPoint and some uh, mouse mat that has the new purpose statement, but to enable people to connect their, themselves and their daily work to that purpose. Gotcha. And usually to some values and behaviors. It is entirely doable. Uh, but yeah, if you got, hundreds of thousands it's a it's a bigger task again once you turn it once you turn it the power is immeasurable well i can imagine you you hit that tipping point don't you again so much of this resonates when we talk about uh, top teams living and breathing uh, the values and the purpose of the organization we're talking about role modeling aren't we in, in some ways dustin that mm-hmm. that senior leaders are able to understand what are the behaviors that support the values and purpose and what are the behaviors that undermine it in order for them to understand that they are being a positive role model they can hold themselves accountable they can hold other people accountable and they can help other people understand how do they live and breathe the values of the organization on a wet windy tuesday morning at 8 30 in the morning how do they make that tangibly real to them in their lives is that a fair comment yeah um well i'm, I'm going to come at it from two angles hopefully they they work for you yeah well they uh, meet in the middle yeah. So, so the, the first is um, leaders like anyone else uh, don't respond well with, to being coerced or told Yeah, you will be collaborative. You will be empathetic. Uh, you know, it, it, there's something about our ego that goes, wait a minute, I already am, or I'll decide what I'm going to be. So our approach to leaders, because most of them want to be all the things that you, if you did a list of all the great things they want to be, they should do or be, they want to, they'll have some habits that get in the way. So our approach is to unlock 
patterns of thinking and habits through experience. Okay. So if you want a greater, let's say you want a greater uh, collaboration and teamwork at the top. And I had a client that, that that was number one. They needed to get nine divisions working together. Right. And as I, as I interviewed the different leaders, they kept on asking me, have you met, and I won't say the name, so-and-so, which was one of the team, team members. Have you met so-and-so? Uh, and I wondered why, why, and they said, well, good luck. <laughs> Go on. Uh, so interviewed with, with all of them uh, and finally got to so-and-so. And as we started the conversation, I started to explain where we're going and I'm going to ask some questions. Yeah. And he said to me, I bet you you're good. And I bet you guys, um, uh, you know, you seem like a nice person. I got to tell you, it won't work. We've tried everything. We've had this firm in here, that firm in here, et cetera. Um, so there are two things that happened in that conversation. First, I said, so it was a different outside consulting a, a organization in each, each instance. Yeah. Yes. So the only constant was you. So I want you to think about that. <laughs> was, there a, did, was there a pause at that point, Dustin, yeah, when you asked, you asked that manage, question? How did you manage not to change in each of those, each of those situations? So he did give some thought to that. And we went away with the, the top team for a couple of days and with the express intention of helping them find a natural, authentic way of living the culture individually and collectively. Right. At the end of day one, I'm standing with the CEO and this person who was the COO uh, walked up to us and said, I want to be the culture champion for the whole organization. Wow. And at first the CEO thought he was joking. Now he wasn't. So we asked why. And he said, we did, we did that. And it was an exercise on collaboration. Yeah. I'm getting remarried second marriage next week. And I think you just saved my second marriage. Did you get that warm and fuzzy feeling at this point, Dustin? <laughs> a bit more of a surprise feeling. But, uh, and he said, you know what? My first wife was right. And I do the same thing at work. I thought I was the greatest, most collaborative person, and I'm not. Right. And he shifted. It was, the whole organization knew that he had shifted and changed. I don't think leaders change until they, until it matters to them personally, right. until it makes sense to them personally. You can't make them. So that's, that's, that's uh, um, the key to helping leaders change, uh, go forward, uh, is helping them find it for themselves versus being told the second, and I, I won't go too long on it is that often culture is disconnected from strategy or ambition for the organization. So you have a, you have a strategy yeah. and somebody says, well, we need a set of values. Now I'll guarantee you the set of values will be somewhat something around we're uh, customer centric, we're accountable, we're uh, caring, we're collaborative. Um, now, that, that's a nice set of values. I'm not saying they're the wrong values, but our work with leaders, culture and strategy are just two sides of the same coin. We have that phrase, don't we? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. That, that phrase has been around for a while. Yeah, that other side of the coin will melt through and <laughs> eat the strategy for breakfast <laughs> right. or lunch or dinner. But the, the, the definition of culture and, and really getting clear at the top team level 
what culture is optimized for who we are and where we want to go, which is going to be different than the company down the street. The number of, when I was, when I was growing up, everyone wanted to know, how do I be like GE? And it was a mistake because you'd say, well, I would say, I actually said, um, there's two challenges with that. You're not GE. You don't have the same history, the same footprint, the same leaders. And if I was talking to the CEO, you're not Jack Welch. Yeah. There's a lot of license that you may not have. Uh, now they all want to be Amazon or, or somebody else. Um, don't, you're, don't be a poor reflection of someone else. Our work is to actually help organizations to be the best reflection of who they are. That's the authenticity as well, isn't it, Dustin? Yeah. Because then when you start engaging the organization in the culture, they will go, I want to be that. And they'll say, and it's authentic. That yeah. is who we can be. Do you find when organizations get that right, it's actually infectious in a good way, um, that actually people want to uh, aspire to what they see, what they hear, the behaviors around them? There's that, is it limbic synchrony that we, in some ways, we want to mirror the people that we, we think are doing well uh, and by doing good, I hope, uh, and that it's actually, yeah, it radiates throughout the organization naturally. Yeah, so it'll radiate so it, it will leaders are organizations of shadows that are their leaders yeah and it that will radiate about four levels unfortunately people will mimic because the, they'll look at leaders and they'll go okay that's what success looks like around here yeah what do they do how do they do it they'll take good or bad right now where i think the pen in the pandemic a lot of people are now doing something a little different. When they when they see something that's not right, they go, "I don't want that," and they're going, which wasn't true for a lot of my a lot of my career. But they're also anxious to see leaders leading and living the way that they'd like the place to work. So you're right; it is contagious. It it energizes when they see a leader that maybe used to lose their temper or cut people off. Listen and ask the right questions, it's energizing. So uh, that's a long way to say yes. And you know what, if you're the CEO of a large organization, and let's go back to Satya Nadella. Yep. He's making a big, he casts a big shadow, a positive shadow, but he needs the, the, the general manager of Vision Z to be casting an equally positive shadow. Because mm. that, that that's there's that's people when people say who's your boss they probably don't say it's satya they say it's so and so because many so, people will have never have met him i assume with such a well, large they, they'll they'll have seen him on, yeah. on video or elsewhere and they'll be proud that he's their ceo but their lived experience is their local leader so i think that you need to in the old days um don't even know if they do this anymore in telephony in a fiber optic wire, they had multiplexing, which is to regenerate the current. Uh, it's not a current, but regenerate the signal. I'm going to take your word for it, Dustin. Yeah. So a multiplex still enabled to get more through the pipe. Okay. You need to regenerate that signal right through the levels of leadership in the organization, right to the frontline leader, because the a shift, a team working a shift their experience of leadership is that leader. Um, 
so contagious, but it does not radiate naturally right through. You have to be intentional about doing it. And, and it's got to be magnified, hasn't it, throughout the organization, you say, to, to get through the various layers. Um, I'm glad you just used the phrase lived experience. I'm glad you used that because, again, something that stuck with me was that leadership is a promise of a lived experience. And you are impacting those people around you. So, you know, great responsibility comes with leadership. So I'm going to come full circle if I may, Dustin, because with all of the experience that you've had and all the work that you're doing, I'm going to come back to you because I, I know how passionate you are as a leader to live and breathe this. So as we're possibly here navigating our way out of a global pandemic, but we can't deny what we've been through, what's top of mind for you as a leader that you want to, to work with or I don't know, just what, what is top of mind? What is a real priority and focus for you at the moment? It's a great question. Um, you know, if, if I think about, remember the book, Good to Great? Yeah. Uh, when you see things that are happening that aren't exactly what you wish for, uh, some leaders look out the window and say, what's wrong with these people? Right. And the best leaders look in the mirror and say, what is it about me that enables or creates that? Um, I do that daily. We are, we are not a perfect organization, but I'm constantly striving to, to help our organization live its purpose and to, to be, the, I'd like it to be the healthiest organization in the world, the best, the best culture, the best relationships, the best sense of belonging. Uh, for me right now, yeah. it is belonging. Uh, because uh, the world has accelerated out of this pandemic and it is a busy, busy world. Mm. And it's easy for people in an organization to become isolated. They're just busy and they're going from client or task to client or task. And without that deep sense of belonging and knowing I'm part of something bigger, that's just wearing. So that's where I'm, I'm personally looking at what what do I do to connect with people right through the organization to create that sense of connection, create that sense of belonging. Uh, I can't say that I am the, the, I'm getting it perfectly, but it's where I'm focusing right now as a leader. Well, Dustin, we're all work in progress. And I think we'll always be work in progress. So I, I appreciate you, you sharing that. Listen, there is so much rich content for this episode. I know we're, we're just touching on certain themes. So how can people get in touch? What is the best way for people to continue the conversation or get some help in relation to some of the, the, the aspects that we've spoken about on this episode? I'm, uh, all, I'm personally always accessible through mobile, through, through email. If, yeah, if an organization, if you're traversing a challenge and you're looking at how do I help my people, my leaders, my culture, my organization traverse a disrupted world, and it's leadership, it's culture, it's diversity and equi equity and inclusion. That, that is our sweet spot. That's our home. Um, so I guess in, in our case, the, the best way would to be reach out to Sinead McSweeney. Yep. Who sort of, she's looking at, at all the, the inbound requests and um, opportunities, and then she guides uh, that to the to the right leader in our organization that can address the ask that that's being asked. Listen, I've got a final question for you, if I may, and this this might be a tough question, or it might be incredibly obvious to you. With all of the wisdom that you've given and received, what is front of mind for you as the, the most powerful piece of maybe leadership advice that, that that you've given or received? 
actually it's been true throughout my entire career. Um, and I, it was given to me and then I've, I've done my best to share it. And that is, uh, especially right now, uh, we have a, we have a term we call be here now, which is having your mind and your body in the same place. Uh, if you want to reduce stress, increase prioritization, increase optimism, you know, increase well-being. That's the one thing you can do for yourself is be present where you are. So when you're on the Zoom call, not doing the email uh, or when you're with a person, not thinking about the next meeting or something else, but being present. It's interesting. Time stretches when you are. Uh, Stress decreases when you are. Uh, If there's anything, anything any leader could give themselves today is being present more often will make what what is it i think being a leader today is probably the hardest leadership job i've seen in my whole career it's one of the toughest times to lead but that would be a gift to give yourself it'll end up being a gift to others but for yourself be here now find ways to be right where you are well, Dustin, I think that's a wonderful message to finish this particular episode. I just want to say a massive thank you. I hope you've enjoyed coming on to the Leadership Enigma and, and having this conversation. You've been a complete star. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dustin. Join us again next week for more tips and strategies on the Leadership Enigma. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with your host on LinkedIn or our YouTube channel. And remember to get your daily learning to build success at www.insights.emeritus.org. Download the Insights app and start learning for free. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all your major podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.